Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Fernando. Hey, Ben. And Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. Okay, hello to both of you. A little bit later on in this episode, we have a great conversation with internet superstar Meg Turney. We talk all about what's going on with the Activision Blizzard lawsuit over their frat boy culture. Really interesting conversation about video games, the culture of video games, the militarization of video Mm -hmm. games. The politics of video games. The politics of video games. Meg Turney, if you don't know who she is, she is just fantastic. Uh, We've been friends for a long time, a wonderful performer, and someone who is just articulate, smart, and uh, really informative in the world of video games, Mm -hmm. which, again, my extent is I sit on my butt, I get stoned, and I play them, and (laughs) she does it uh, in a much more in-depth way. So we have a great conversation, and that'll be the majority of today's episode, and I know you guys are going to love it. But before we get to that great talk, let's discuss uh, Lindsey Graham. He got a big win. Big win. Big win for Lindsey Graham. Uh, Lindsey Graham. (laughs) He declared a win against cancel culture because Notre Dame (laughs) has okayed the Chick-fil-A on its campus. We talked about this last week. Again, devastation, starvation. Uh, Buildings are collapsing. The roads are in shambles. Our healthcare system is absolutely devastated. COVID's on the rise, but Lindsey Graham is fighting the good fight to make sure that people at Notre Dame have the ability to get diabetes. Isn't that great? Thank God for the patriot that is Lindsey Graham in making sure that the private institution of Notre Dame has a Chick-fil-A. And here's what he had to say, Ben. Big win. Great to hear Chick-fil-A is coming to Notre Dame. Well done, all the patriots at Notre Dame who stood up for Chick-fil-A and against cancel culture. Hope New York will follow your lead. Ham and biscuits, y'all. Where was Lindsey Graham while they were uh, rolling over all the Dixie Chicks uh, albums after they rightfully came out against the war in the early 2000s? The idea that Lindsey Graham, a man who has canceled more things uh, than an alcoholic trying to undo all of the shoe orders that he ordered the day before. I'm just talking about myself, but you ever email Nike and be like, I was a little drunk when I tried to buy those shoes. Can we just cancel that order, please? The audacity that he um, thinks that he has just taken a massive chunk out of cancel culture is hilarious. Yes, and of course, he also added at the end of his tweets, 
hailing all the patriots for saving Chick-fil-A and fighting cancel culture. He threw in pro tip. Always remember to order the number one with a Coke Zero. Can't go wrong. He's just sponsored by Coke Zero now. <laughs> he is so it's pathetic. so insane. What a dickhead. Anyway, so that's the Lindsey Graham update. I'm just happy that he takes his political victories where he can get them. Uh, you know, uh... I'm glad he's happy, but I'm, I, 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 I don't but, even, I'm not really I don't glad know he's if happy. I'm happy. He's happy. Yeah. I'm happy when anyone's happy. I love to see an in the closet, Southern homophobe <laughs> angry because when they get flustered, Oh, oh man. It's very spicy. It's spicy. It's very spicy. Well, you're about to hear an out of the closet homo be angry because <laughs> Good. the thing is that what what Lindsey Graham is doing is, uh, you know, he's promoting Chick-fil-A. The thing about Chick-fil-A, though, is they promote and they give money to organizations yeah. like the National Christian Foundation. Of course. Yeah. And if you know about the National Christian Foundation oh. is they go to other countries mm-hmm. and they, you know, oh. they put a lot of anti-LGBT rhetoric in the politics and Uganda, for example, just criminalized by death penalty homosexuality. Right. So that is, you know, obviously we make fun of Lindsey Graham and the entire thing, but an evangelical's dream has never been realized in America, but it is realized in places like Africa. Yeah. Uh, you uh, you can find footage if you really want to. I believe they're probably still on LiveLeak few, uh, a few years ago. They were tiring. Uh, Tiring is when you take a tire, you fill it with gasoline, you throw it on top of somebody and you light it on fire. Obviously, they die. And that was happening en masse. There was mass murders of homosexuals. And obviously, as Fernando just said with Uganda, the death penalty uh, is now on the table for anyone who is LGBT, which is just, first of all, I mean, just so... It is just so disgusting, mm-hmm. and uh, it's hard for us to even fathom as we sort of have our own issues as a country. Right. But this shit's happening, and it's re- we're regressing as a world in many ways when it comes to the LGBT um, status and when it comes to their rights. And it really is something that we do have to take very seriously. So I get it. The proxy war was Notre Dame and Chick-fil-A, <laughs> sure. and that's what Lindsey Graham uh, chose to fight. But in reality, what he is by proxy supporting is the murder of gay people. So it's disgusting. It's disgusting. But we can also just make fun of Lindsey Graham for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. It's still it, stupid. It, the hypocrisy is appalling. It's, it is. the biggest. I mean, the- But it is also a reminder, like in this country, we have the debate about chicken restaurants. In other countries, it's like, should they live? Right. And right. Uh, so it's just, just so disgusting. But anyway, speaking of changes as a country, The Cleveland Indians will no longer be the Cleveland Indians. They have changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians. I don't give a flying shit, to be honest with you. I think it's fine. It's a name and that'll work. Uh, There was uh, the only thing I'm thinking is Major League. Yes, of course. Major League. Well, they the, were the the Indians were in Major League. The movie. That movie is mm. is a moment in time of '80s comedy that will always hold up, no matter what that team is called. Um, I, you know, as an Ohio native, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. So you get to choose whether you cheer for Cleveland teams or Cincinnati teams. I always cheered for the Cleveland Indians, and honestly, I like the Guardians because it was very strategic by the marketing people. They only need to change the first two letters of the jersey. Oh, yeah. it's, all, it's still Dians. Um, it's just instead of in, now it's Gur. So and, it's Guardians. So I think it was very strategic on the marketing team. And the part. logo looks very, very similar. Um, so apparently Tom Hanks narrated the video. You needed that. It. No, Cleveland would not have accepted this without Tom <laughs> Hanks' smooth voice. I support that. So thank you, Mr. Hanks. Uh, again, this is not the biggest deal in this country. I think that this is fine. Whatever it is, what, what matters the most is 
World Series championships, pennant wins. Sure. So it doesn't matter what the name of the damn team is, as long as they get W's, that's the only thing that matters. Uh, Tom Hanks says, there's always been Cleveland. That's the best part of our name. Yeah. He goes on to say, and now it's time to unite as one family, one community to build the next era for this team in this city to keep watch and guard what makes this game the greatest to come together and welcome all who want to join us. He goes on to say, we are loyal and proud and resilient. We protect what we've earned and always defended. Together we stand with all who understand what it means to be born and built from the land because this is the city we love and the game we believe in. And together we are all Cleveland Guardians. Whoa, Whoa Tom. Tom Hanks. Whoa, Tom. Tom Hanks, so I didn't inspired. know you were here in the studio. <laughs> Fernando, your thoughts on this? Um, I think uh, I, I, I agree with these name changes. You know, Indians are a, a people of the Indian country, not a... Exactly. Sure, right? term for um, it's out with the Christopher Columbus BS, out with the Indian BS. Right. Well, and Ohio is is very. I mean, um, Ohio was a very indigenous people heavy place as it was getting settled in the early 1800s. Tecumseh is famously from that era, and he almost fought the entire settler movement with, mm-hmm. when he fought uh, William Henry Harrison. So Ohio is very sensitive to these things. Obviously, it's long past due. Uh, I'm glad that Cleveland came to their senses and did it, but we also have a bunch of more high schools and smaller colleges throughout Ohio who still have indigenous people names and mascots. Sure. So there's more work to do. You know, I also am going to, I'm going to push back on ourselves that's, as well. That's fine. Is this, you know, when it comes to these band-aids, which is exactly what this is, mm-hmm. this is symbolic, right? Right. What about actually fixing some of the problems when it comes to the native American community, <laughs> when it comes to the true indigenous people of this land that we are occupied in some ways. Uh, but of course we gave everyone Carl's Jr., which is kind of nice. <laughs> sure. Does it actually move the needle? Does it actually, right. does it actually change the hearts and the minds of, uh, of people who might be bigoted against the native American? Does it help native Americans uh, get themselves out of generational poverty? Does this do anything or is this white people applauding themselves for doing, doing something nothing. like changing a name that was also created by a white dude? <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I, I think again, I'm, I'm, I am like, cool, Guardians, like it, Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm Groot, love it, no problem. (laughs) Are we doing anything, though? Right, a very fair point, you know, and and it's the same thing as we talked about last month, making Juneteenth a national holiday, uh, while, you know, we still have so many policies in this country that hold uh, people of color to a completely different standard from white people holds them in holds them in prison is what it does exactly so yes you're absolutely right i did work on a campaign in wyoming uh, last fall and that was very eye-opening because um the cities that i worked with wyoming still has a bunch of uh, native uh, reserved land and they have the reservations there and just the way these folks are treated by the government the way they're treated in their own communities Mm -hmm. is absolutely 100 percent heartbreaking ben so you're right you're yes. right. So, uh, I mean, changing the Cleveland name doesn't help the uh, the indigenous people still alive and suffering in Wyoming. Absolutely. And I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, Sherrod Brown, as a matter of fact. Of course, he's the senator out of Ohio. I like him. He wrote me a letter. Oh, did he? He's one of those guys. He'll, if he sees you, uh, your letter to the editor in the paper, he'll write you a letter saying, nice job. I love that shit. He also sounds like Tom Waits. He's drinking from my hat in Cleveland. (laughs) Yes, this is what he had to say. He says, we hold tight to our roots and set our sights on tomorrow. Let's go, Guardians. Hashtag R. Cleveland is what that means. Yes. Okay. 
you know, <laughs> okay. I, I get when we, I'm not trying to destroy history when I take down a Christopher Columbus statue. Sure. What I'm sure. trying we, we to did do, take the one down in Columbus, Ohio. Right. Last and, year. um, you know, and so one of the argument, especially the, uh, the argument from the right will be that you can't erase history just by taking down a statue. No, that's because that's step one. The next step is to change the system, which Ben is talking about. But if we don't do that, then the step one, just changing the name and bringing down these statues is futile. It's absolutely worthless. Mm -hmm. Well, as we saw, uh, as the Robert E. Lee statue in Charlottesville became a beacon of bigotry, these statues evidently, and I'm saying this just because of what I've seen, evidently they really matter to people. Mm -hmm. And if those people are willing to commit atrocious acts of hatred because of those statues, put them in a museum and give context to them. That's what I've always said. I'm always haunted by the images of what we did in Iraq after uh, Saddam fell and was very quickly hung after he was found in that uh, little rat's hole that he was in. I forget what they called it. The destroying of history is sad. And the monuments that were destroyed in Iraq was devastating. It was thousands of years of history. So I get it. But let's also remember many of these statues were put in place in the 1960s. Right, or the 1920s. Or the 1920s as a straight rebuttal to any progress that was made for racial equality in this country. So they weren't even Civil War or pre-antebellum. Uh, or I guess antebellum South, they right. weren't even there. They didn't exist there. So we have to remember why were they put in place in the first place. And it seems as if they were put in place as a reminder of the past, but not so much as a educational tool no. to say, don't do that again. It was <laughs> right. more like, dang, we were close to winning that shit. <laughs> right. So the House voted to remove the bust of Justice Chief Justice Roger Taney from the Capitol. Again, as I said, the vote was 285 to 120. It incorporates Congresswoman Barbara Lee's Confederate Monument Removal Act, which orders the removal of statues that symbolize slavery, sedition, and segregation. Again, these things need to be uh, not necessarily destroyed, in a museum and given context so that don't we, we don't repeat the horrific sins of this nation's past. But again, to push back just slightly on my own self, oh. we have so many things going on. And <laughs> exactly. so for the House to, to devote 285 to 120 to, to like get the art out of their house, <laughs> right. it's like, okay, I got it. I get the symbolism. But what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. What are we doing here other than maybe making... You, as a politician, look okay, maybe making you look better, but what are the policies you're putting in place? Where's the criminal justice reform bills? Where's the legalization of marijuana? Where is so many things that we actually need to have implemented in this country so that we can actually have the true equality that we all desire? Now, equality, when I say that, that just means everyone has the same rights to fail as the other person. And some people will succeed in life and some people won't, but everyone has to have the equal. We all have to be playing on the same field and that's all that matters. So, uh, you know, it's symbolic. I don't give a shit uh, that the statue is removed, but again, let's not have white people or air quotes progressives or whatever, pat themselves on the back too much. Sure. Because uh, there needs to be a lot more that is done to address the issues uh, in this country. Standing up to those statues is... Uh, about as useful as Lindsey Graham standing up for Chick-fil-A. But then again, again, I suppose uh, baby steps, who knows? All right. And just lastly, before we get to uh, our conversation with Meg Turney, 
this is an interesting situation happening out of Mississippi. Mississippi has asked the Supreme Court to outright overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, so the state of Mississippi has filed a brief uh, with the Supreme Court this past Thursday defending the state's ban on abortion after 15 weeks. Um, many people who follow the court, court hawks, say the Supreme Court most likely won't take this up, but it is possible that it happens. And again, these are situations that are going to inevitably continue to happen as the court has definitely grown more conservative. Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch says, the national fever on abortion can break only when this court returns abortion policies to the states. He says, in 1973, there was little support for women who wanted a full family life and a successful career, she wrote. Maternity leave was rare. Paternity leave was unheard of. The gold standard for professional success was nine to five with a corner office. The flexibility of the gig economy was a fairy tale. So what they're trying to say is what she's trying to say is that women have it so good that they don't even need abortions anymore, Ugh. I guess is the concept. Okay. Being like back in the day you had to work, but now you can be an Uber driver and have a baby in the car. It doesn't really uh, seem to uh, be in line with the Constitution or independent rights. Uh, many court watchers are doubtful that the majority of the court will explicitly overrule Roe. Instead, the consensus seems that the justices will allow more and more restrictions, um, which inevitably would, for all intents and purposes, much like they did with the ACA, once you get rid of the individual mandate, you've taken all the teeth out of it, and it's something very possible uh, when it comes to Roe v. Wade. Something very possible could be happening when it comes to taking the teeth out of Roe v. Wade. The Center for Reproductive Rights, which brought the challenge that blocked the Mississippi law, called the state's new push, quote, extreme and regressive, warning, uh, this is a quote from uh, the Center for Reproductive Rights, warning, quote, their goal is for the Supreme Court to take away our right to control our own bodies and our own futures, not just in Mississippi, but everywhere. Mississippi en enacted the law in 2018. It was part of a wave of Republican-leaning states passing bans on abortion as early as six weeks. So the court has not announced yet when it's going to hear the case, um, but there is a expectation that it'll be heard June or July of 2022, which of course might have a massive impact on the midterms. Yes. And of course, we've talked about this the last few months. All of these states, especially Republican-led legislatures, are basically all in competition to be that first state that will overturn Roe v. Wade. That's why you're seeing, you know, in Ohio, right. we have the, the heartbeat bills, um, you know, anything passed uh, once a heartbeat is um, essentially uh, detected. detected. Yes, as, as we spoke with the reproductive rights lawyer LA, from the ACLU. ACLU absolutely. Yeah. So they're all in competition to do this. And now it looks like Mississippi is just trying to move to the front of the line. Absolutely. All right. Wait, 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 though. What, what? company does Lynn Fitch think the people of Mississippi work for or what kind of economy? There is no maternity leave. There is no paternity leave. There is right. no what what is she referring to saying that the, the situation has changed for mothers or women? These people live in a different reality. I think yeah, that's a great point. I, I don't think Mississippi is really on the forefront of maternity leave or paternity leave or really taking care of kids at all. Are you leaving? 
Yeah, well, that's that's the sad thing. Again, this is you know, abortion is sort of the straw man conversation in the larger conversation of individual rights, individual autonomy, and people should be in charge of their own lives. And there is nothing more personal than reproductive rights and uh, medical decisions. Mm-hmm. And so we have a group of people who will scream and rant and rave about a vaccine, uh, but that at the same token will <laughs> want the government to be involved in some of the most important decisions that human beings make. And and that's why I am pro-choice uh, because we don't know the individual circumstances that everyone is going through, exactly. whether it be rape, incest, um, economics, period, wh- it don't whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, it is up to those individuals to make medical decisions and the state should have nothing to do with it, specifically uh, the state of Mississippi, who, yeah, as Fernando says, somehow believes the world is like this <laughs> unbelievable place for workers, which as we've seen is not the case. Okay. Well, lastly, we got to go to Ohio. Let's oh. stay in Ohio. Mr. Irvine, you have an update on HB6. Holy shit, bro. Can yeah. you just break all of this stuff down? Because we're seeing some indictments and people are actually being held accountable, kind of. Yes. For anyone who's been keeping track of the scandalous HB6 saga back in Ohio, um, we had a big development this past week. The FBI has now uh, formally entered a plea deal with the company behind the entire scandal. Oh, my God. The company, the company uh, that created the legislation. Created the legislation, bought and paid for all the legislators to make it happen. A company called First Energy that is now uh, called Energy Harbor. They've officially entered a plea deal with the federal government, with the FBI, okay. which essentially means they are guilty and that now, as a result, everyone who did take money as a result of their scheme, mm. whether they're a public official or the lobbyist, it doesn't matter. If you got that money, you are now also guilty. And so what this are they, is huge. What are they guilty of? They are guilty of uh, public corruption, racketeering. Basically, um, it, it's, you know, there's different FBI terms for it, but um, honest services fraud is what uh, the okay. terms that they use for this. And that is essentially the company conspiring to pay off public officials to uh, screw with the referendum process, to screw with the legislative process. And they did so. And this would get rid of competition for the company. For them, it was just about passing this billion dollar bailout that would then benefit them and it was all at the expense of the rate payers and that's why this is another big deal is because in terms of public corruption um, first energy is settling for 230 million dollars which is a quarter of a billion dollars they're a multi-billion dollar company a lot of people feel that's a slap on the wrist it is it could very well be but it's also the biggest settlement ever gotten out of a public corruption charge or indictment and um, furthermore I think it will open up more of these same type of utility corruption yeah. cases across the United States. Well, as we're seeing with like ERCOT in, exactly. in Texas. And yes, and Illinois is dealing with yeah. the same thing right now. So this could be very huge implications going forward. Okay. For the people of Ohio, this is at least a good resolution for now because we know all the guys yeah. who have been saying that they're not guilty. Now they look very, very guilty. Furthermore, some of the things the FBI released this week yeah. in their 40-page uh, uh, document showed text messages from the CEOs of this energy company, First Energy, a fellow named Chuck Jones, and it's, he's not the Looney Tunes guy, he's not <laughs> no, the fun Chuck the Jones. Um, they were literally texting back and forth with Larry Householder, yes. the former Speaker of the House there in Ohio, um, after the bill passed. I mean, it's like frat boys talking back Ugh. and forth, except these are old, wealthy country club white men who are basically taking over the state. Householder eventually uh, opined within their text if they could change the Ohio Constitution 
constitution so he could stay in power for 16 years as opposed to the the limit of eight. Oh my um, god! And one of the funniest ones for me was after they passed HB6, someone photoshopped Chuck Jones, Larry Householder, and another character named Sam Randazzo, who's probably going to get uh, a guilty charge here coming up. He was the public utilities commissioner okay. uh, who also will be charged uh, and, and certainly implicated in this entire plot. But they put all their faces on Mount Rushmore and texted <laughs> back and forth to each other, HB6, fuck anybody who ain't us. And that doesn't speak arrogance and privilege. Fuck, I don't know what does. So fuck anybody who ain't us. Well, fuck you. Well, man. fuck them, and they're about to get fucked in court, Ben. Oh. So that's your HB six update from Ohio. All right. Well, thank you so much for staying on that story, Travis. Uh, nice to see some lawmakers being held accountable. Some right. accountability, and we, you know, it's interesting. We talk about surveillance, the surveillance state, and how we don't want innocent people to be implicated. But this is one of those situations where if you're a CEO paying off a speaker of the house, man, I want to see your text. I'm glad the FBI was following you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone. I think you guys are going to love this conversation. Um, we don't, I mean, I, I, we don't talk about video games too much and video yeah. game culture and that whole world. But my God, it's it's prevalent. It's, it's everywhere. It's hip. It's here and it's now. And it's important. It's so, political too. And it's very political. Absolutely. So I think you guys are going to love this conversation with Meg Turney. She's an internet personality. She's a vlogger. Uh, she's a cosplayer. She's a total superstar. And um, yeah, she's just wonderful. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Meg Turney and uh, we'll be back at the end. All right, everyone. We are honored to be with an internet superstar. She is a Twitch partner. Oh, she is just absolutely fantastic. She is everything I've ever wanted in a friend. Meg Turney. Meg Turney is with us. How you doing, Meg? I'm good. I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this show because we're going to talk about uh, the internet culture and we're going to talk about the world of gaming, specifically when it comes to, oh, some sexism. So we will get to the world of gaming, which is a world that I know very little about other than I like to play my little games. I like to get all stoned and I'm like, that was really fun. That's my extent (laughs) of video game knowledge. That's how it should be. That's how it should go. Everyone just get stoned, play a game, shut the fuck up about everything else. Just play the game and leave everyone else alone. I love that idea. All right, so let's start with the obvious. You're a lady in a heavily nerdy male world. Um, So let's just start with what's going on right now with Activision, specifically when it comes to, was it Blizzard Activision? Right. So they have a massive lawsuit against their company right now. I believe it started in California because of a toxic work environment. Can you talk a little bit to our audience and myself, uh, what is going on in the world of Activision, a very, very famous gaming company? Yeah, Activision Blizzard is a huge, very storied company, but has had some very big missteps in the last few years. I would say they're a very controversial company with gamers uh, in the last like five or so years. And why is it so controversial? They've made a lot of changes. I think when, first of all, when any company comes in and buys another company or acquires them or, you know, puts their names together like they did the little nice little hyphen, gamers get nervous, right? Because little studios can make gold and then you see a big studio come and then 
everything goes wrong, right? You make a, right. a Bioshock, Irrational makes a Bioshock, right? And then 2K comes in and you get Bioshock 2. And then Irrational takes it back and you get Bioshock Infinite. Like we just, a lot of times the gamers, there's not a huge trust with people who potentially are seeing dollar signs over quality of games. And I okay. think when Activision and Blizzard came together, people had that kind of reservation. Okay. So that's a problem with the consumer side where consumers are like, we don't really like what you're doing. And gamers, yeah. they're very emotional and they <laughs> scream a lot. <laughs> they have opinions and they're they going to hear them. <laughs> they do have opinions. But then internally, it looks as if Activision has some massive problems. I'm reading a Forbes article here. It's entitled Activision Blizzard Lawsuit Alleges Horrific mistreatment of women. One of those things, for example, women were denied promotions, raises, or even equal pay despite overperforming their male counterparts. Also, they say male employees frequently uh, were neglecting work and delegating that work to women. Male employees were also refusing to communicate with women and women of color were being criticized for their body language, asking for assistance, taking breaks, and being forced to document days spent off from work. Also, breastfeeding women were being kicked out of lactation wow. rooms, so meetings could be held there instead. So I know this is a conversation that's been going on in the gamer world quite a bit with Gamergate and all of this stuff. Can you just talk a little bit about your understanding of what's happening internally with Activision and just the toxic environment that you would think was out of a madman, but it seems to be happening right here in 2021. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not shocking. It's absolutely vile, but I think a lot of women hearing the things that are alleged in this lawsuit were not shocked. Mm. Um, women who had sexual relations with other um, co-workers, because, you know, co-workers commingle, that happens all the time. Sure. Those male co-workers were then sharing nude images with all mm. of their male friends. Um, there was actually a, a, a woman, a young woman who I believe, if I'm recalling it correctly, was having a, a relationship with her supervisor or with a supervisor at the company. He was then passed nude images of her around at a company Christmas party. Oh my God. And she what ended up committing suicide actually oh. after harassment. Um, I, you know, it's alleged in the suit that it contributed to it. I'm not making that call, but I mean, I don't think it takes a real uh, Columbo there to figure out that it's not very good for people's mental health to be, to have pictures, intimate, naked, nude photos of them being shared with your coworkers. How do you yeah. then go in a meeting and command the respect of your coworkers when you know that's what they're doing and saying about you behind yeah. your back? And there's a special place in hell for anyone who shares private images publicly. It's just so unbelievably disgusting. Right. Uh, Honestly, you should say you're that. welcome and put it in your fucking pocket. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Say thank yeah. you so much for showing you. me your yeah, boobs. I really you. appreciate that. And thank then you. the other person says you're welcome and then you just put it in your pocket and you stop sharing it. And that's yes. the end of the uh, sharing right there. Yes. That's it. You share it with yourself. Um, the female employee, I don't believe she's been named, um, but apparently, uh, as Meg was alluding to, she died by uh, by suicide on a company trip. The yeah. lawsuit alleges it was due to a sexual relationship that she had uh, with the male supervisor and uh, yeah, all of the the images that they were showing. When it comes to the company culture and when it comes to a woman's role in the workplace, what would that do? to somebody's psyche. If you go to work and you see a bunch of dudes snickering and you're like, what are you guys laughing about? And you know, you kind of get the sense when people are laughing at you. 
Yeah. Mean, can you talk a little bit about your personal experiences in this world? I know that, you know, you're a cosplayer. I'm just going to say it, you're pretty sexy. You're a hot chick. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I do. So, I'm a professional hot person. True. You are a professional <laughs> hot person. So how do you sort of navigate this world of just disgusting, crunchy ass, nerdy dudes? And then you're just trying to be a professional and, uh, and, and get paid for what you do. That's the thing is that I think that a lot of times in the gaming industry or in the gaming community, men talk a lot about wanting women who play video games with them, who are like super cool and super chill. And there are so many women out there who want to work in games, who want to play games, who want to be super chill. But then they're put in these positions where people are joking about them. They're making right. inappropriate comments. They're being harassed. And when they speak up, it's like, oh, my God, so dramatic. Yeah. Oh, come on. I'm a good guy. Like, you get pushed to this point. You have this pressure to be cool about things. Right. To be understanding like, oh, it's just locker room talk. But when you finally, it crosses the line and you say like, hey, that's not cool. You're shut out of the meetings. You're shut out of the groups that want to play together. You're not making the decisions. Nobody, they're just giving you the bitch work and you're not getting to really make the calls or make the shots. They're they're going to take, and this suit even shows, yeah. they're going to take their friends and give them the promotion rather than the person who actually did the work, who's excelling, who's putting in the time and effort because she's not cool. She doesn't get it like we do. You know, and that's what happens to, they always say like, oh, there's not enough women in this workforce, in this community, in this industry, because they don't want to be here. Like we want to have women, but where are they? They don't want to be, they want to be there. They just don't want to be harassed while they're there. It's not hard to figure out. Right. I have a question, Meg. So if this, the story we just talked about, Activision Blizzard, if this had happened, for example, at this company, I think long before it got that bad, someone would have addressed it. If it had happened, maybe, uh, maybe I'm I'm going out. Uh, maybe I'm just assuming, but maybe if it happened like a Walmart, I feel like someone would have addressed it much, much sooner. Is it just a symptom of tech culture? Because tech culture as a whole isn't as it isn't very pro women. There's not a lot of representation of women in like you know STEM and STEAM, science, technology, engineering, uh, mathematics. Sure. There's, there's just not a lot of women there. So is it is Activision Blizzard? setting the example or is it just a disease of the culture itself? I think it's nice to think that maybe it's just because women are underrepresented in these fields, but even in fields where women are represented and are kicking ass and taking names. I mean, today I literally retweeted someone making fun of Naomi Osaka who has said, look, I struggle with anxiety. I don't want to answer these questions anymore. And right. then did, you know, the Sports Illustrated cover. Now she's getting a ton of shit like, oh, okay, it's so hard to answer a few fucking questions, but you could be on the cover of a magazine. And the mm. fact that people think that that's okay to joke about shows that this kind of treatment of women, this belittling of their issues, this belittling of them as people happens in every industry. It happens all around us. And as much as people think that they want to stand up and say something or they would, I would definitely be there. A lot of times there's a power imbalance, right? Like you're thinking about your job. If it's your supervisor who's saying something to someone else, you want to seem cool. You don't want to jeopardize your own position. And I think a lot of people fall victim that I have watched dudes watch a boss say something shitty or sexist to me and like nervously laugh. And when the boss walks away, they go like, that was so fucked up. I'm so sorry he said that. But they're not going to say something to the boss because they're worried about their job too. Right. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's it's sad, but at the end of the day, 
everyone has a capitalist gun to the back of their head. That's right. right. At the end we of the are day, all products of this broken ass system. We are yeah. all trying to make that almighty dollar. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the day, it's just much easier to stay silent. And that's really unfortunate because we need people to stand up and be like, that is bullshit. And uh, sadly, of course, they have to think about their own lives and their families and their bills that they have to pay. And it's just this vicious cycle. And that's why the change has to come from the top. You know, employees can do so much, but if the bosses and if the company culture is just full of a bunch of aggro, you know, incompetent assholes, then it's just not going to change. And it's just difficult to make these changes. And perhaps this Activision lawsuit will be a wake up call to the industry. Have you seen it progressively get any better? Because I know you've been doing cosplay for years. I also want to talk to you a little bit about your personal experience uh, here in a second with just with the culture, but have you seen an improvement at all? Um, okay, I mean, so obviously, I say, go on. Yeah, is I have. I okay. have seen Yay. an improvement. <laughs> I have Yay. seen more women. When I started out, um, I was an intern at G4 many, many, wow. many, many years old ago. old school. Old, old school when they were still on TV. I love G4. That network was dope, dude. (laughs) It was dope. It was so cool. And it was a dream come true to work there and to be an intern there. And I felt like Morgan Webb was like my, like Jesus. Like she was smart. She was funny. She's super beautiful. But there were like like Morgan Webb, Jessica Chobot. Those were like the two. Olivia <laughs> like, Olivia was, was was someone who didn't actually play games. That's and then easy. Was, that's, uh, yeah. You know yeah, what I exactly. mean? Like <laughs> somebody who did do the thing. But Olivia was there. You're right. Sarah Underwood was there. Candace Bailey was there. Yeah. Um, but there were so few women who were there, who actually played games, who were like knowledgeable and weren't just there to like decorate it. You know, like you were either Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. nerd who was there because you actually played the games or you were the booth babe. And there was no crossing those lines. You could not, you had to be one or the other. If you crossed over from nerd to booth babe, you were stuck there. You could never come back. Nobody would ever respect your opinion again if you ever showed like an ounce of flesh, right? But in the time that I have come up in this industry, there are hundreds of women who are shoutcasters, who are top Twitch streamers, who are on television, who do tech reviews, who do all sorts of amazing things. Mm -hmm. There has also been, for me, a big change in being able to be like, my tits, fire. Also, I play (laughs) video games. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. That you can do now, which would have been career suicide. And I heard over and over and over and over again coming up, career suicide. If you do that, do not do it. Now it's like, oh, actually, goddamn, your tits are fire. Yeah, <laughs> oh, oh my God, <laughs> boobs are fun. Boobs yeah. are nice. I know, I, I just wish that we had a culture and, and maybe we're getting there, but we're, we're still dealing with the puritanical roots of this country yes. uh, and all of the horrible things that go with it. I say- more boobs. Wait. More boobs. I've said it before. Oh, I'll say it again. Because, and also when I say that, it's like, and it's, thank you. I say thank you. <laughs> I say very thank nice. You. This you is a very pleasurable welcome. experience. Thank you so much. And it's chill. No one, uh, because now we keep things under lock and key. And then when people go to Comic-Cons, I mean, that's why they have cosplay is not consent. Uh, everywhere that, signs. Which because, I think is a wonderful movement. And people have respected it so, so much. Good. Also good. My question now, Meg, is it possible that like they still perverted what you were just talking about? Like now women are able to both be a gamer and be sexy in the term. For example, what's really popular on Twitch right now? Hot tub videos. So is it now (laughs) is it now, though, that women can only be a good gamer if they also happen to be sexy? 
Is that what's happening now? Let me ask you this. Of the top 10 Twitch streamers, how many of them are hot tub streamers? Zero. People would have you believe that hot tub streams are, oh my God, it's the new meta for women on Twitch. Actually, they're being demonetized by Twitch. They're being put into their special category so advertisers don't have to advertise on their streams. They're not, I mean, I, I don't know the actual stat, but I think in the top 100, there's like, five female gamers that are like the top Twitch streamers. Like it is still completely male dominated. And the females Mm. that are up there are actually badass gamers who are playing the games. Like the hot tub meta is not the threat people think it is. I am not for demonetizing the hot tub workers. I agree. I think it's fantastic. Hey, People need to make a living. Dollar. Yeah. I, I would not do it. Like, look, you look good in the hot tub the whole stream, not just posed in one particular way. My hat is off to you. I, I mean, do I would be doing hot tub streams. I mean, if I No could. one's watching so, for now. Literally no one's going to watch you in a hot tub. They're just going to be like, get well, in the, the bath is, and actually. Men are also doing hot tub streams That's what I was thinking. I am sure. Another I am ready thing. for the Holden McNeely hot tub stream. Let's do All this. All right. We're not going to do. Oh, my God. Don't bring Holden into this. What is wrong with you? Anyway, back to your life, Meg. Um, when it comes to being a female celebrity on the internet, mm-hmm. there's a double-edged sword. And because you're not a six foot seven huge man like I am. So True. people can be very scary. So I know you've yes. had to deal with stalkers. I know that there was a situation in 2018 that was a freaking waking nightmare. Yeah. Um, how much of that, just the idea of putting yourself out there, presenting yourself, and then knowing just by the nature of cats and dogs mm. that there's going to be some creepy ass fucking dudes out there and how do you overcome that fear um that is very real and and continue to press forward because i don't think women get enough credit for standing up to all of the fucking dms just the weird fucking dudes man creepy dudes and for you to continue to persist in the industry it's much harder than people fully understand how do you deal with all of that And has that gotten any better or is that just still what it is? I will say that I think the assumption that you're making and that everyone made right when the break-in happened and everybody found out about it was this person was obsessed with me because of my sexy photography and my Patreon work and all of the sexy boob stuff that I do. Yeah. What we actually found out, and I kind of touched on this a little bit in a YouTube video once upon a time, but I've not really talked much about it. But what we actually found out is that this individual in particular was actually... Um, infatuated with me and my partner through YouTube. And Mm. it was the, I think I know you because you talk about your life experiences and you were on my favorite YouTube channel. And it wasn't, oh, I want to be with you. I'm going to be with you forever. It was I, I, that parasocial relationship. And I think for me, had it been something where it was like, I'm going to be with you forever, I probably wouldn't have continued to do the sexy things that I do. But when you find out the thing that you thought was safe is actually not safe and nothing is safe, it's kind of like, well, fuck. The dangerous part is the personality stuff. The least dangerous stuff is being a cute body on the internet. Like actually there are millions of cute bodies on the internet. And if someone doesn't like something I say or do or how I look, there are many more women that they can go and look at and be infatuated with. Or or Fernando in a hot tub if they they want to see that. They can go see (laughs) Fernando in a hot tub. But when you are a personality, that is much harder to break that parasocial relationship there because they think they know your personality, which is so much more individualized than your tits are. Wow. So that was uh, for the, I mean, the man broke into the house and like he hid in the closet and all that. I mean, just a total nightmare. 
We did. We hid in the closet. You hid in the <laughs> closet. <laughs> and he was, uh, anyway. Yeah. When, when it comes to your role, you are an OG in when it comes to female gamers and when it comes to, you know, that kind of like nerd culture and really taking the mantle of being like, this shit's pretty cool, guys. You know, like you yeah. really brought and ascended the gamer culture. What about the pushback? And can you maybe talk a little bit about like the Gamergate stuff and all of this stuff when it comes to representation of women in video games, actual video games? You know, I was playing uh, Last of Us 2. Uh, there's a lesbian relationship in that. You go through, oh my God, you have a whole tattoo. It's amazing. Whoa. Uh, I, I actually had like trauma because I had to experience what it would be like to be a 16 year old girl playing the first two hours of that game. And I was like, I can't do this. I actually had to put the game down at first and then I had to get in my headspace and be like, okay, I'm going to understand the nightmare that is being a teenage girl. And uh, it was a lot for me. Isn't but it I thought, a nightmare? In the beginning of the game, she's smoking a blunt and making out with a hot chick. I mean, it's not so bad. No, it's not bad. It's just different. It goes very bad after that. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, but that I thought that was a unique representation of women in, in yeah, video games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the uh, Abby's physical prowess, right? Like in Last of Us 2, Abby has smoking hot arms that are huge. She's got a flat chest and she has a sex scene in that game. Yes. Spoiler. She has a sex scene in that game. And I was like, I love this. I love what we were watching somebody who is physically fit, appropriately physically fit for what she does in this world, getting railed, being sexy, being a sexual being. <laughs> which Women are like, yes. I thought that representation was so important for me. That game, the thing that really resonated with me was the PTSD representation, because mm. obviously and the thing we just touched on have fucking PTSD from that. I have been working on it forever yeah. um, since that. But I think the game does such a beautiful job. I could talk about Last of Us 2 forever. Please. But such a beautiful job of illustrating what happens when you don't have your mental health in check, when you mm. allow PTSD to rule your life, and when it, you let it run away with you and everything you care about and how you are left with absolutely fucking nothing at the end of it. Right. I think that was such a sobering and just really, uh, just very true to life representation of what it's like to live with those things. Yeah. And as far as representation in video games as a whole, I know you told a story before we recorded in 2010, apparently one of the BlizzCons for Activision, a woman stood up and and asked the question as far as like archetypes for women. They, women were in video games, but it was the same kind of archetype, big old boobies, you know, kind of Barbie twins, 19, the hangover of the 1980s, um, you know, pinup yeah. model, which again, beautiful people, all those people are great too. Like those people exist, sure, but other people also exist. Right. Exactly. So maybe, could you tell us a little bit about that story in 2010 and then kind of maybe talk about the progress from there or have we gone backwards? I mean, that was the thing with fat fuck Donald. I remember there was two people, I was working at Fox News at the time and there's just two older uh, gals in the elevator and they, they were managers and stuff like that. And they looked at every single air quotes joke from the past and were like, maybe those guys were serious. You know, and I think people really started to, or women especially were like, I don't think guys are joking about this. Like the whole locker room talk. I've been in many locker rooms. That's not even locker room talk. I no. promise you that. <laughs> it's a lot gayer. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of grab ass that's there. The, that's the thing the gaming industry has in common because a yes. lot of times the running joke is when dudes play games together, they're like, oh, let me hold you. Let me save you. I got you. It's it exactly. very homoerotic. That is much more what locker room talk is. <laughs> but can you tell that story in two? 
2010. Yeah, yeah, of course. So in uh, it was a clip that came out on Twitter today or that resurfaced, I should say, from 2010. It was BlizzCon and it was a woman from the audience who was asking um, some artists on stage at a panel, look, I love the women in World of Warcraft. We have so many women and I'm so appreciative of that, but they all look like they just stepped out of a Victoria's Secret catalog. Right. Like when will we get more body type representation? Yeah. And the people on the panel laughed at her. They they said, what catalog would you want them to step out of? Like, And then one of the artists says, could you really imagine Sylvanas looking any other way? Now, Sylvanas is this really huge character in World of Warcraft who murders people. She is, she should look like Abby for the things that she does. She yeah. should have gigantic arms, but she has a, you know, pin waist and she is teeny, teeny, tiny. And I can understand wanting just a little bit of, and, and then they make fun of her like for like, what do you think the Tauran females, what catalog did they come out of? Cause they're like a cow ish type race. Yeah. And it's like, it's not a ridiculous question to say right. like, can we have someone who looks completely different? For instance, Borderlands two did an amazing job of it, of introducing a character that was a woman who was very large. And it was like, she's still kick ass. She's still amazing. There is yeah. nothing about her character that is based on her size. And that's how it should be. Yeah. Because, of course, you know, as boys, we've always had, like, the four main characters. You got your big, strong one. You got your little one who knows magic. You got a short, fat one. Like, <laughs> men have always been represented. The whole swath of the male gender one. has and been represented for a long freaking time. And then you always have the woman in the bikini armor. Though. Exactly. Bikini and then, right. armor. But and then if, Sylvanas, she wears bikini No, armor, I was going to say, right? Sylvanas has got, been in bikini armor for the past 25 years. Yeah, well, you don't want to get your nipples like cut off. like a makeover where she got like a corset on the bottom to cover her tum, you know, so But still progress. showing her tiny waist, making <laughs> yeah. sure everyone right. knew the femininity Absolutely. was still there regardless and, of... And, and again, yeah. of course, that character, more than welcome in the party, but it's just about getting other people and specifically, uh, you know, obviously none of, well, Fernando, look at that. <laughs> Women of color, Fernando's a man. But when it comes to women of color, my goodness, where are they in video games? So there is a lot to, there's a lot of work to be done. And what do you think, how do you think we get to that area now that we're seeing The Last of Us 2, Borderlands 2. Does that require more women to become um, uh, uh, programmers and game creators? Because I have no idea how anyone does anything. I'm so immensely <laughs> impressed with, I'm impressed by Pog, like anything or that stupid <laughs> game that you used to play on Atari. Pong. It's, Pong, yes. I'm impressed by anything. Is that what has to happen? Or, or I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I do think we are seeing that. The phrase that everyone has heard a million times and has not actually let sink into this industry as well as it should have is representation matters. Whether it's people of color, it's women, women of color especially, and actually in the Activision Blizzard lawsuit, we saw that they were treated especially bad in this workplace. Um, trans voices as well. There are so many voices that I do think need to be included. And I do think some studios are doing this right. Last of Us 2, another amazing, amazing example has a trans character and it is not something that is it's not something that seems it like a lot of people bitched about when last of us 2 came out it's too woke it has all these things oh they shoehorned in this trans character but it's it's not at all it works perfectly right. with the story and for a lot of people where i talked about for me the big thing for that is the ptsd journey right someone else is gonna go wow that that trans character's 
journey is what hit me the hardest because that spoke to me. Like yeah. those are stories people live. Those are experiences people have having parental rejection because you're trans. Those are things people actually experience. It is important to highlight them. And I think that what happens is a lot of time when men in this industry hear that people are being represented, they think, well, now I'm being discriminated against. Like now I'm not getting to tell my story. There's room for your stories and yes. For diverse stories as well. They are not, they're not like mutually exclusive at no, all. I, I completely and agree. And it's Yeah, it's you this, should lift those up. Well, it's just one of those strange things. Well, if they got something, then I must not be getting something. It's like that's not true, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Relax. it takes nothing from you to give to someone else. It, it is a, a spring eternal, if you will. Like there is there are an infinite number of video games that can be made, and not all of them have to cater to you, and not all of them are gonna cater to all of these other voices as well. Right. Like they can all have a space. And you know what's so powerful? I'm just thinking here about the power of video games and about my experience playing Last of Us 2. It really does give you the chance to walk in somebody else's shoes. Yes. Because you relate to the character. Like when I was in Red Dead, I I don't want to spoil it, but I guess it's been out for a long time. Well, anyway, there's a moment in Red Dead where somebody that you love dies. And I was like almost crying. I was like, no (laughs) way did mine. Guy, what happened? Because I was really emotionally invested in this person yes. because I had been playing him for 80 hours. And yes. so there is something so powerful about video games. And I think it can really help the, the just the country and, and the world as a whole to understand what other people go through because you literally live in their shoes. Yes. I feel the exact same way about Last of Us 2. It's the reason I have the tattoo on my arm. My mom actually um, had a heart attack the week before Last of Us 2 came out and went into full cardiac arrest, was in a coma. She's perfectly fine now. Oh, good. Uh, But it, for me, playing that game, seeing that parental loss theme the whole time, Oh, I was, I cried buckets. I thought when I didn't have any more tears left, here came another cutscene, And it was so cathartic. That is so important for so many people to be able to have a catharsis like that. Yeah. And I think video games are so powerful and so wonderful. And when we come out and say this treatment is wrong or this is where the industry needs to go, no No one is saying this industry is garbage. It's not worth saving. Games aren't worth having. They are broken. We are saying we love games. We love this industry. We want them to be better because we love them. We are critiquing them because we love them. And video games is a form of, you know, you mentioned PTSD. Video games is a form of treatment. Yes. Has that become more prevalent? Because I feel like it could really help maybe not call of duty if you're having PTSD from the no, war or something, but maybe not, or maybe it works. Maybe you know, that does that's make the thing you feel is great. Like I don't exposure know. Exposure <laughs> therapy sort of thing for yes. me, actually, um, because I stream games on Twitch, there are certain PTSD triggers that come up while I'm streaming and yeah. having to balance oh, fuck, like everything is wrong right now because I that thing sets me off. I can't hear or see that thing, right? But now there are hundreds of people watching me and having right. to calmly be like, everything is fine and let that <laughs> feeling pass has been a huge part actually of my therapy, which is so strange. Like mentioning it to my therapist, oh my God, I had this thing happen, it was so awful, but I was able to write it out because hundreds of people were watching me write it out. Right. He was like, wow, that's wonderful. That's exactly what we want you to do. If you have a trigger is just sit in it, be uncomfortable, write it out, right? Like 
those are the things video games and these services can do for people. What do you think about the argument that a lot of, I'm just going to say boomers, why don't we make, oh, let's make fun of them? Okay. We'd be like, video games, everyone's lazy, they hang out in their parents' basement. But the reality is you can make bank on video games. Yes. What is your take on the industry on that perspective as far as you having independence, having uh, agency, you don't got to go into a freaking office, you can make money. Meg Turney, <laughs> CEO, Inc. Meg Turney, Inc. That's me. Um, can you talk a little bit about how liberating video games have been in that way? So people, this is not just sitting in your basement, um, you know, in cum stained pants, watching a TV as your father goes to work and hopefully gets home on time to make dinner for you. This is actual people, people are actually busting their ass and making a full career out of video games, which I think is awesome. Yes. I will say there are so many people out there whose lives have been transformed by Twitch, in particular, YouTube gaming, Facebook gaming on a very small scale. But People who are playing video games for a living, making content for a living, YouTube is the exact same. It is a double-edged sword though, right? You're taking right. your hobby that you used to unwind. You are mm -hmm. monetizing mm -hmm. it. This is the biggest problem with, I think, our generation is we have been taught for some reason to monetize every hobby that we yeah. come across That because you can now. Do you like knitting? You can have an Etsy. Do you like to play video games? You can have a Twitch. Right. Do you like to talk to yourself while you're holding a camera? Welcome to YouTube. Do you like to <laughs> unbox yeah. Pokemon cards? Here's hundreds of people who like Pokemon cards. Or do you mm -hmm. like to restore stuff you find at the dump? Hundreds of people to watch you on YouTube restore things. Like there's anything you can think of. Do you think that cheapens the experience a little bit? I think it changes the experience. Okay. So when I play, there are certain games now, and I know a lot of streamers are like this. Last of Us 2, for example, would not play that game on stream. Interesting. I wanted that to be an experience I had that was unfettered by someone else's response to what I was saying or that sure. filter that I have when I'm live. I wanted to experience it for myself. Okay. And I think a lot of people, the boundaries part of that is going to be something we see people struggling with now, mm -hmm. hopefully getting better with as we go forward. Because we've already had so many YouTubers, right, that have said, you know what, this is this sucks. Like, I'm burned out. I, I can't right. do this anymore. And I just want to go back to the freaking office. I just want to let someone else decide what I'm supposed to do today. And I just want to have this nine to five and this normalcy and this anonymity. Right. And I think that we're going to find gamers struggling with that same thing you know, a little bit behind. Well, that actually is a perfect lead in here because I was just wondering about boundaries and uh, how do you how do you take care of yourself and, and make sure that you're, you know, staying centered and staying, you know, focused on what your needs are as you give yourself to the world, you know, and the more you give yourself to the world, the more they take and you realize they're not all uh, necessarily out for your best interest. Sometimes yeah, people are like what a, they are. I mean, it, it's, it's true. And people want your attention. Yes. They want a lot of times there's a thing that, that's very popular for people to be talking about right now, which is called trauma dumping, where you go into someone's oh. Twitch stream and then you say, this is like a horrible thing that happened to me. As a Twitch streamer, you have to look at it and go, oh my God, yeah. I'm so sorry that your grandma died. I am actually sorry. How the fuck do I transition back to mm -hmm. this? That's like more and bits is, of you that you have to give it, to people. When it, okay, trauma dumping. I, I don't want to, I mean, obviously we've all had many, we have a, a life of trauma. And a life of dumping. <laughs> and a life of yeah. dumping, life of trauma dumping. dumping. Oh my Lord. Um, it's a little rude though, isn't it? To just go it's, on somebody's Twitch and yeah. just, and also is it true or, you know, it reminds me of Fight Club a little bit where, um, uh, what is it, Helena Bonham Carter? Helena Bonham Carter. She was addicted to the group. She was addicted to addiction groups. And right. is there a danger in sort of normalizing like, 
people just throwing all of their trauma at you. And then also it's like, why did you pass me this football? I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm struggling myself, dude. I, I don't know what to tell you. Absolutely. We are all just a, like a small thread drop away <laughs> yeah. from Mad Max and yes. water lines and who the fuck knows at this absolutely. point. I absolutely agree with you. I do think there is a time and a place where people reach out or like, I'm having a rough day, especially if you have a community on Twitch. Usually you'll let your viewers kind of talk to each other, sure. control each other so that you're not because that what sucks is what I'm not trying to say is fuck people for having problems because that's of what course. some people will hear when they hear me say this, right? But what I am trying to say is we can help each other. We can lift each other up. But if I make myself or if any content creator makes themselves available to say, oh my God, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Here's how I'm going to reassure you. Here's how I'm going to go into all this detail. A hundred people will be behind that person. And then you are burnt out. You can't help anyone. You can't right. help yourself. So there, you do have to set these boundaries and it sucks as a content creator. It yeah. feels selfish. We know it looks selfish, but you do have to set those boundaries and go like, that really sucks. I'm so sorry that happened. Maybe this stream can be a good distraction. Let's go ahead and play a new game, you know, like sure. move it on. Yeah, guide the conversation. I always uh, use the analogy. There's a reason that you put uh, the oxygen mask first. You put it on yourself first yes. uh, yeah. because then you can help others. But if you don't put it on, then no one's going to be helped by you whatsoever. And right. theoretically, that's a selfish act, but it has to be done. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't help other people. So if you don't protect yourself from getting emotionally beat down, then no one's going to get anything from you. Right. Exactly. It's it's super true. And I do think it is so encouraging when people come into a stream and say, oh, I had a shit day today. So excited you're streaming. Like, I'm ready to let that go. Like, yes. let's just enjoy together. That is like that's 10 out of 10 for me. Like, I love when people do that because I'm like, I'm sorry you had a shit day. Here we go. Let's forget about it together. Because the other yeah. thing is a lot of times content creators, you know, we're here, we got smiles on, we're doing things. And people don't think about like, we also have real lives. Yeah. Like we all also may have had a shit day and I can't come in and go, oh, I was fighting with my boyfriend today and my mom. <laughs> well, he's wrong. Know. I'll tell you one thing. He's that wrong. boyfriend is wrong. He's, he's wrong. wrong. Let him know Ben Kissel, no matter what, even if he's right, which is possible. He's wrong. <laughs> he's wrong. He's wrong. We don't do that, right? Like right. we still have to put the smile on and it helps well, us to also escape. You know, when it comes to leadership, Twitch is really, you You have to be a leader. You yeah, know, you are, right. you literally have thousands of people looking at you for guidance. We talk about January 6th. We often mention how if uh, if Ted Nugent had a concert and Trump just guided everyone to the Ted Nugent Chris Rock concert or, or a, a Kid, Kid Rock, Rock, Kid yeah. Rock concert, <laughs> Chris Rock, or Chris well. Rock, maybe, who knows? <laughs> but if they just guided that energy and that mob in a positive direction, which in this case is a Ted Nugent concert compared <laughs> to uh, lynching the vice president, uh, that's the only time Ted Nugent is better than something is <laughs> if they're going to kill the vice <laughs> president. Two options. And I'm no Pence fan, but I also don't uh, necessarily want to see our politicians murdered in Washington. No, but that's the thing, right? Like, I know we don't want to get too much into politics, but watching it live on television, I honestly thought, Jesus Christ, are we about to watch people get murdered live? 
on the news because and it's that's very, what it felt like. It's very possible. And a lot of those people were dressed like LARPers, cosplayers. Oh my like, God, talk about have that. a good time. Yes. It's like, is this Comic-Con at the Capitol? I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, at the speaker's podium. What up? Ooh, get oh a picture God. of me with my oh, horns. Fuck. So when it, when it comes to making sure that you guide your audience in a positive direction, what kind of, this is maybe uh, for uh, all those people out there who, who wanted Twitch or maybe who Twitch, what advice do you have and what kind of techniques do you use to make sure that things don't turn into fucking pure and utter chaos, which can happen <laughs> at the flip of a coin on a social media platform. Yes. Having a good moderation team is always number one. People there who can time <laughs> someone out, who can say, no, we're not going to talk about that. Or like, hey, if you need a lot of times, right? Like some comes in trauma dumping. Oh, I'm having a really hard time, mm -hmm. right? We have a chat command that's like, this is really hard. If you are struggling, here are the resources that you need. It is no longer on us. Like we aren't, I'm not equipped to tell someone what's, I right. don't know. You're not a therapist, right? right? I'm not a therapist. I see one. I give her money. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so here are the resources. Those are, those things are very, very important, right? Setting boundaries, having chat rules, very important. But also sometimes like, for instance, when the pandemic hit, right? None of us knew what the fuck we were doing, but streamers could stay home and yeah. still do their jobs. So, so many people were tuning into streams because they were all home. And so for my stream in particular, I was like, it's fucking crazy out there. If you guys want to talk about it amongst yourselves, that's totally fine. I'm not going to talk about it because this is an escape for me too. Yes. And mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is an escape for a lot of y'all. So feel free to chat amongst yourselves, but we're just going to keep this like a good escape. That's you know? what we, and that's what we tried to do with last podcast. And even on uh, able can stop at this show, it is what it is. So it's it like, just, you can, yeah, we all know, we all know what's happening. You to get your damn shot a hundred times. Yes. But I had to unfollow quite gonna... a few people on Twitter and Instagram who thought that they were the news. And I was like, we know I'm not I going know. to a failing no, comedian aware. for information on COVID. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. I love you, but no, shut up. You need I to shut the up. Same way. I'm like, I show my tits on the internet. Why are you asking me for medical <laughs> advice? <laughs> exactly. And that is so awesome. And you probably, you know, not to, uh, not to be hyperbolic, you probably did help save lives because you never know, man. You know, people, it just takes one, especially if you got a firearm, one pull of a trigger to get rid of all your problems permanently. <laughs> and sometimes turning on a Twitch stream and seeing a seeing a nice pair of tits playing video games puts a <laughs> smile on your face and you say, you know what? I'll live another day. I'm going to live another hour. Yeah. And then the feeling passes. And it really is a powerful, powerful platform. It is. And YouTube is the same way. I have actually had... Many fans come up to me and say, you know, I was in a really bad place. I was going to end it all, but I found your videos and they made me feel like I wasn't alone or I was seen or yeah. I was struggling with coming out to my parents. I saw your videos on being bisexual. I realized that this is something that I could, like my parents could have a good reaction like your parents did. And yeah. this was something that really encouraged me. And I just want to thank you. And that's, there's no way to like articulate what that means, right? right. To a content creator, but it's it makes everything worth it, I think, right? In the end, like all the struggles with it, like it makes it a lot worth it if you can help people. And same for like, even if it's aren't aren't people who are struggling that badly, but are just like, fuck, dude, like your streams help just take a little bit of the edge off at the end of the day. We have people in my stream who are nurses, who are doctors, who have all sorts of really stressful jobs yeah. during the pandemic. And, and it's amazing when somebody who has a really stressful job thanks you and you're like, uh, uh, no, no, I, yeah, no, I do. I sit you. and I talk for a living. <laughs> yes. So thank you for doing I everything I think I said you do. the 
the exact thing to someone who worked at a grocery store. They were like, yeah, oh, exactly. I'm a frontline worker. And I'm like, and they're like, you've really helped me. And I'm like, you're helping hundreds. Everybody. You're yeah. helping so many people. It's the most humbling thing when you realize I can't make a highway. <laughs> I if if it was I, yeah. if everyone had my brain, we would be fucking screwed. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Uh, uh, Meg, I want to go a little bit with uh, what we were talking about. Unfortunately, this is a politics podcast, so we yes. will be going into politics. But it's cool. I started in politics. It's cool. I want to. I want to ask about. Um, you were talking about personal image and personal opinion. In I want to talk about politics and video games. Things like the Blitz Chung controversy. Things like uh, AOC playing Among Us. Are you familiar with the Blitz Chung controversy? I haven't heard that. No. I, oh, is that the the um, tournament? Yes. The yeah. So yeah, uh, okay. I'll tell I'll yeah, tell everyone. About? About. So yeah. basically, um, there was a tournament in October 2019. Uh, Blizzard Entertainment, uh, who we're Activision, been talking, yeah. Activision, who we've been talking about. Basically, a Hong Kong esports player. Uh, he was playing Hearthstone, which is one of their games, and he voiced his opinion on the 2019 2020 hong kong protest okay during the streaming event i'm in favor of the hong kong protests and i stand by he, those people and it's sad that our media did not back them up whatsoever didn't he say free hong kong is that what he yes, said that's that was all he said that was all he's, he's, that was that's literally all he said. so unfortunately because he said that he was stripped of his prize wow. he was stripped of his uh title and he was banned from ever competing in oh any of these sp- so i mean activision isn't hong kong activision isn't china it's a company that is throughout the whole world but there are the political opinions of china obviously affect the game but i want to ask you about things like that how do you feel about things like that yeah, yeah. um it's Tencent, isn't it? Is 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 that who is the Chinese company that owns a stake in Activision? Uh, I couldn't I couldn't tell you off the top. I can't of my head. remember. It's something. Okay. They, there is a company that does own a small stake in Activision Blizzard, which was a part of the controversy where people thought the Chinese government was silencing this particular player. Blizzard came out and said we don't allow any political statements. Then they kind of like backed off, if memory serves, right? Because a bunch of teams started. There were college teams mm-hmm. that started quitting and saying we're not going to. You know what? Like fuck you, we're not going to play in your league if you're going to silence our players. Yes. People like who are in the gaming industry, who are content creators, who, you know, we're here to be an escape, right? We are also people. We also yeah. have political beliefs. We have things that we feel strongly about. I am a huge supporter of AOC. I absolutely adore her. I think playing Among Us with streamers is a wonderful way to reach Great out to campaign. the absolutely. audience. It's to connect with people. She is someone who actually does understand she's young she had a she was a bartender which people famously I love that hold story against her, i but love she her story yeah. really is if, if you want to talk about the american dream right yeah. she is the american dream oh yeah and i think that these are really these are not empty gestures is what i'm trying to say right. this blizzard um this uh hearthstone players gesture free hong kong something he actually believed in that is yes. not an empty gesture and when i think that people do these things i do think games and politics because they're people and people are involved in both, they do go together, right? Yeah. Like a lot of people are like, oh, leave politics out of it. But there are people, right, who are trans, right? Are you going to leave politics out of what they, their rights, their human rights? Right. That's not politics. That is their human rights. Those are people who, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're not going to leave that at the door because you don't want to hear about it anymore. They're literally in the streets being assaulted and having their rights taken away. They should speak up about that, right? Yes. So I don't buy it. It's just the same thing with the Dixie Chicks, right? Like, yeah. oh, just shut up and play your music. 
people are people. They have political beliefs and they should be welcome yes. to have them. And of well. course, the Dixie Chicks were correct as well, going against George yeah. W. Bush in one of the worst <laughs> yes. wars in American history. Tencent, uh, the company that Meg referenced, is the largest gaming publisher. It's both uh, an internet and entertainment giant, and it is based in China. So we see what's happening with media and China uh, being that, again, the uh, corrupt capitalism that that is so prevalent across the globe. Even John Cena, one of my favorite wrestlers, he dresses like a big toddler. He mentioned uh, how Taiwan should be independent and he had to apologize because F9, right. Fast and the Furious 9, is going to be very popular in China. Right. And uh, the audacity of um, of this entity to silence this man is really horrific. And that is something that we constantly have to be addressing as corporate media continues to shut down speech on so many different kinds of platforms. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts sticking adjacent to politics when it comes to the military and their use of right. video games in recruiting, do you have any thoughts on that? Because this is actually quite a fascinating phenomenon when it comes to most of our drones. Um, these are mostly just kids in Nevada uh, hanging yeah. out and these drones that they're you know, piloting are another world away full of missiles and devastation. Um, how do you think video games have been used as a propaganda source for oh, the United States military? My God, I mean, from me. <laughs> welcome to the Call of Duty franchise, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, do you like Call of Duty? Do you want to do it in real life? <laughs> I mean, we all came up in the era of like Navy, right before the movie played in the movie theater. It was right. just like Army of One. Yeah, exactly. Like it's they've always done it. They're going to use recruitment tools that stick with the times, quote unquote. Do I think that they were doing something on Twitch, right? Where they were, um, you could enter a giveaway to win a console, but it was also like a recruiting form. Yeah, it was. It was like a, <laughs> those things obviously fucked. Do not do that shit. But what are they targeting? They're targeting people who are at home, who are watching people play video games. Right. They're saying, They've always targeted people who are underprivileged in this country. Hey, yes. yeah. you can get a college education. You can get a career here. And that's what happens, especially in my generation, right? Like that came up in, I was in high school when 9-11 happened. Yeah. This was the generation of like, hey, world's fucked. Come join us if you want to like do something about it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are always going to be underhanded tactics I don't think that they should use. Obviously. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I'm just looking at this article here from Vice. It's uh, entitled The Pentagon's Long and Complicated History with mm -hmm. Video Games, written by Matthew Galt. Uh, this is February 11th of 2021. And, uh, you know, he is discussing how much of the technology has actually been funded by the military right. and much of the things that uh, you know we see as entertainment can be used for quite deadly purposes. Uh, this is uh, according to Corey Mead, uh, the author of Warplay, Video Games and the Future of Armed Conflict. This is what he had to say. He says, the video game industry is built on technologies that were funded for military research, things like advanced computing graphics or the internet or 3D environments. When the military funding started to dry up in the late 90s, partly because of reduced defense budgets, a lot of technology companies and simulation makers turned to the video game industry hmm. to sell their products. So the video game industry and the federal government and the military industrial complex, that's kind of a fascinating approach yeah. to this entire conversation as well, because you're right. If you are someone who is maybe a little bit of a loner, someone who is like, uh, someone who would play Call of Duty as opposed to go playing football or whatever, not that either are better or worse than anything, those people are ripe to be 
picked up and given an identity and given a purpose. And that's exactly what the military does. Yeah. Gives you a quest. Gives you a bunch of quests to complete. It's a real life LARP. And I wonder, has the video game industry discussed that at all? Is that discussed in any of the conferences or is that just something that is understood as something that that, that happened or that happens? I, I do think the thing that I would, I, I haven't seen it really discussed in the technology sense personally. Yeah. I'm sure it is, but I just haven't seen it. Um, the thing that I do think that the gaming industry does really well is there are so many veterans who are in our community who play video games, who they're lifted up by charities and organizations that reach out specifically to them. For me, I came from a military family. Um, veterans' rights and affairs have always been a very big, absolutely, very big, like a very big talking point for me or something that I care a lot about. Absolutely. Um, and I do think video, the video game industry does try to reach out um, and they do things that are very important in helping support our veterans, which apparently no one else does. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. These home. fucking Republicans, I mean, the Democrats, you you expect them not to care, don't you? No, I'm just joking. I, I say it because the Republican brand is, right. we love the military, yeah, we love our troops, and it's like, take care of them, please home. God. Yeah. Well, come on now. We don't... We, <laughs> Exactly. You made it home. You should be fine, right? Like that's the attitude we give our veterans and it's well, fucking gross. It is fascinating. Again, just going through some of this article when it comes to Twitch recruitment, this is according to uh, Colonel Megan Stallings of the U.S. Marketing and Engagement Brigade. Oh, Isn't good. A, a, war, a war in advertising. Good. Isn't that interesting? So apparently uh, the Pentagon will set up uh, booths at, uh, at um, you know, Twitch events and at, uh, you know, uh, gaming, gaming events. And this is according to uh, Colonel Stallings. She says, at some of our conventions, we've done exit surveys. Over 95% of the respondents said they had a positive view of the Army as a result of having visited the U.S. Army eSports booth. So it really... Really is a powerful tool, and did they uh, get a free T-shirt? I like, don't know what you get. What are they get? doing? I don't know what you get. That's but, all you have to do at a convention to get people to like you. By the way, is give away a T-shirt. That's like yeah. you don't even get that nowadays. Oh my! I'm giving a, maybe. I'll give a T-shirt away right now. I don't give a. I'll get a T-shirt gun and give it away to people. <laughs> they will go nuts. They'll have a 95 percent positive rating. If you're they winning. will. But the sad thing about that is, you know, we're talking 15, 16, 17-year-old, mostly boys, I would assume here. Um, And they, it's so predatory and disgusting. And it's sad that they've used video games as a gateway to fill their recruitment desires to have more people sign up to become wards of the state. Because, uh, again, the state doesn't treat them very well whatsoever once they're signed up. Their lives are given to Uncle Sam. And he's a traditional uncle. (laughs) I do think, too, there's a ton there, too, with like, doing giveaways that would target someone who would enter a giveaway is obviously socioeconomically depressed versus somebody who wouldn't need a console via a giveaway, right? So you're targeting people who are probably not very high income levels. There's a whole capitalist undertone there for sure. Yeah, that's just fascinating. Is the military already using PS4 controllers to control drones? (gasps) I don't know. I saw. I would say yes. I wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me at all. that they would use. Why wouldn't you take, if you're recruiting people, right, who are used to the technology they have at home, why wouldn't you give them a tool they know how to use? Yeah, yeah. 
Wow, that's just absolutely fascinating. Well, thank you so much for being here, Meg. Um, yeah. Any other questions? Yeah, I kind of wanted yeah, to bring please. it uh, full circle to what we were talking about earlier. And, and as Fernando pointed out, it's a political podcast. You brought up AOC. And you're talking about the representation in the video game world of women who are they're coming to more prominence. There's more equal women roles, more equal women gamers. You also see a parallel in politics right now. We have more women elected to Congress yeah. than ever before. Women of color more than ever before. Obviously, I would argue it's still needs to be more right yeah. um, but another thing we're seeing in politics are we are seeing these toxic men being held accountable right senators are having to resign congressmen are having to resign uh the attorney general well, of new the only york senator was was al well and but then you had the former attorney general of new york eric uh, uh, schneiderman, schneiderman um who's very toxic he was replaced by a woman of color in his job so um i guess you know kind of the, the activision stuff that, that you were talking about earlier is this maybe kind of the beginning of not just women having more representation in the gaming industry, but are some of the toxic men going to start being held accountable and removed from these positions of power? I fucking hope so, but I'm not holding my breath, to be honest, right? Like, what did we see with AOC when she was called a fucking bitch by one of her colleagues and she tried to bring that up on the floor? She was shouted at, people mock her, she is being dramatic. These are the things that are still happening. And like, did that guy resign? He did not resign. So uh, you get away with it. And that emboldens others. I think we are going to see that there is no smooth progress. There is always going to be backlash and then a backlash to the backlash. And then we stumble forward, hopefully. (laughs) So I do hope that, I think the reason too, what's so important, you'll see a lot of women, if you go on Twitter right now, that are talking about what's happening in the games industry that are saying, men, help us stand up, say something, because we're not saying we can't do it on our own. We're saying when we try, we are shouted at, we are shouted down, we are looked over for promotions. We need you because this should be a thing we're all against. And your voice matters. And, you know, we're not saying fuck all men, fuck you guys, you're all trash. We're saying fuck the people who do this Help us take this shit out of our industry. Help us get rid of this shit so we don't have to deal with it, either of us, anymore. You don't have to do the nervous laugh when you hear someone say something shitty. We don't have to pretend we're cool with it anymore, and we can move forward. Yeah. And, of course, uh, that's one of the great things. You know, the internet giveth and taketh, (laughs) but one of the great things when it comes to autonomy is, you know, having your own bank account is a big freaking deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, and thank God that, uh, you know, you've been able to make such an unbelievable career out of, you know, your talents and abilities. And uh, you're just such a superstar. Hi, and yeah. I completely agree. It's going to it just takes all of us as far as culture shifts. It's you know, it can be done. People created the problem and people can get us out of this problem. Yeah. And it's really just about treating people with respect and not be a fucking asshole. And if you get a nude <laughs> sent to you again, thank you. Thank you. Put that in your pocket, and that's your nude. He says, you're welcome. You put it in the pocket. That's it. That's it. Because you know what? When someone knows you're cool, you're not going to share it with people, you get more nudes. Exactly. Ah, You get more. Exactly. So come on now. Come on. Hell yeah. All right. Meg Turney, thank you so much for being on the show. That was fantastic. I'm sorry I kept you for so long. Oh, no, I'm Uh, fine. I'm totally fine. Kept on blabbing. Um, Let's see. So where do you want to direct the masses? 
Um, you can see if you want to watch me play video games, I play a video game called Dead by Daylight most of the oh, time, cool. but I also play a lot of other stuff um, at twitch.tv slash Meg Turney. If you want to see the sexiest stuff, Uh-oh. onlyfans.com slash Meg Turney. And uh, if you just want to hear all my random thoughts, twitter.com slash Meg Turney. Awesome. All right. Meg Turney, everyone. All right. There it was, everyone. Our conversation with Meg. I learned so much. So much. It's crazy how the military just permeates everything. Everything. In our country, including video games. Everything. More, I mean, video games. That's perfect for the military. Perfect. I was so happy we got to talk about Sylvanas and her uh, bikini armor. I know you were, <laughs> yes. Fernando. And Fernando's new OnlyFans, it's Fernando in the tub. In a hot tub. Hot in tub, a Fernando. In a bikini armor top. Oh, okay. You know you the know funny what? thing is? Even if I put on a bikini top, if I cover my nipples, I'm like, mm, I wonder what those look like. And they're mine. <laughs> okay, they're That's yours. the power of the bra okay. or the bikini top. Don't you You know, you hide any nipple. I'm like, I kind of want to see that nipple. <laughs> you never know. It's true. Yeah, that's the weird thing about the old uh, Ben Kissel mine there. Okay. <laughs> All right, Meg Turney. Thank you so much for being on the show, Meg. You were absolutely fantastic. And uh, we hope you all enjoyed this episode of April Against Top Hat. Um, Thank you all so much for supporting the show, man. Uh, You know, we're beating a lot of douchebags out there who spread lies and misinformation and are just a bunch of fucking, you know, monetized um, misinformation bots for all intents and purposes. So it's nice. We're starting to beat those people. And uh, it's great. And we're doing it all together. And hopefully we try to make this unions a little bit more perfect that's the goal amen ain't no more no need to tear anyone down because god knows i mean i did just call people douchebags but that's also because they are bullies they're bullies they're bullies bullies. we're not bullies they are bullies uh who often punch down and we only punch Punch up up. all right everyone thank you so much for listening hope you're, you're doing well out there hail yourselves we'll talk to you soon this show is made possible by listeners like you Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is, Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great.